is December 11th, 2018, and you are listening to Fight Me, an MMA news and opinion podcast hosted by me, Anthony Tadero. Strap in, guys. We're about to break down the week in mixed martial arts. Okay, you don't have to strap in. You can just keep doing whatever you're doing, working out, listening to your earbuds on your iPhone or Android. You loser, what are you doing with an Android? Or just uh, listening to your phone on the bus ride home. You loser, what are you doing ride the bus? Get a car. Or, um, you know, anything else that might make you a loser that I can make fun of. I'm sorry, guys. I'm being really harsh on you right now. You came here to listen to my podcast. You came here to have some fun and kind of break down the week in the sport that you love. And here I am coming at you. I'm sorry. I apologize. Let's start over. Uh, it was uh, it was a fun weekend in mixed martial arts. I know that I say that every week because I genuinely have fun every week dissecting mixed martial arts. But this week specifically, one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest featherweight featherweight fights of all time. Uh, one of the greatest fights in the 145 division of the UFC or the 145 division of any. Uh, any organization, of course, you don't have any featherweight fights in like the olden days of pride. I don't think the weights actually went down that far or even uh, back in the good old days of the UFC, but uh, they do now. And uh, the 145 division in the UFC was on fire on Saturday night. Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega, just the... Pure skill being showcased, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, the old school and new school all melded into one. That, um, that you know, skill and uh, devotion and heart and uh, conditioning and cardio, everything that a fighter could display on showcase on Saturday night. Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. And, uh, you know, a little something for everybody on that card as far as... Um, the style of fights from like the good old fashioned um, bang them up brawl of uh, Jimmy Man, uh, Jimmy Manua and uh, Tiago Santos, uh, just utter and complete chaos from beginning to end. Like two pretty skilled fighters. I mean, Tiago Santos a little more of a brawler than Jimmy Jimmy Manua. Jimmy Manua uh, pretty technical striker but those two I think just once they started hitting each other just started getting mad about it uh Jimmy Manoa picking up the uh or uh, Tiago Santos picking up the win in that one uh, it was really anybody's game whoever connected uh with the right shot at the right time in that one and then you had uh two young guys two young up-and-coming talents uh you know showcasing uh the the new guy, Hakim Duwadu. I don't know if this was his first fight in the UFC. Uh, I think it very well might have been. Uh, really putting on a, a striking seminar for uh, the folks at uh, the folks in uh, in Canada that night. Uh, really awesome. Uh, striking put on by him. And of course, Kyle Bakniak, uh, you probably recognize from his 
fight against uh, Zabit Magomed Shuripov in Brooklyn all those uh, months ago. Uh, that famed Brooklyn card, of course, at this point. Uh, Duaru uh, eventually uh, winning by decision, but an awesome back and forth. Uh, Kyle Bakhnayak obviously outclassed in the striking department, kept trying to get it to the ground, just couldn't get Hakim to the ground. Uh, putting on a, a really good showing. Uh, I'd like to see what's next for Hakim Duwadu, uh fighting at featherweight. You know, uh, he's definitely an interesting prospect there. And then you had uh, classic striker versus grappler, Alex Oliveira versus Gunnar Nelson. Uh, this fight had me entertained from beginning to end. Alex Oliveira had one of my favorite ring entrances in a long time. One of my friends said that he uh, resembled a Mexican magic mic. And then I pointed out that he's actually Brazilian. And my friend pointed out, of course I know he's Brazilian. And he still looks like a Mexican magic mic. And I had to agree with him. They're just putting on the putting on the sexy, uh, <laughs> really <laughs> dancing his heart. Like he was dancing as the guy was like uh, patting him down before he entered and like, Dancing and pointing, smiling, pointing to the crowd, like as he's getting his, uh, uh, as he's getting, um, oil put on his brows and all that stuff. Uh, but it was really nice to see Gunnar Nelson back, and he looked awesome. Gunnar Nelson, one of my favorite fighters in the sport, uh, just seemed like a super cool guy, uh, really. Sticks to his craft and sticks to his game plan. Uh, basically tries to do the same thing in every fight and does it really well. Uh, there's very few dudes uh, that he can't take advantage of. Uh, especially especially somebody who's predominantly a striker like Alex Oliveira. Uh, just really nasty finish to that one. Just cutting uh, Oliveira up pretty bad. Slicing him wide open and then getting the submission as he has one to do, uh, just really frustrating his opponent with elbows and then securing that submission. Uh, I think that was in the second round, uh, a little late in the second round. Uh, pretty awesome win from him, though. And then moving on to your co-main event of the night uh, at UFC 231. I didn't really plan on just going down this card so early in the podcast here, but uh, I'll go ahead and do it. Because uh, I just want to talk about uh, Shevchenko versus Yana Jekcek. I've heard a lot of um, mixed ideas about this. Uh, of course, a lot of the uh, a lot of the flyweights in the or female flyweights in the UFC, uh, Jessica I being one of the more vocal ones, um, you know, voicing their opinion on uh, how this Yana Jekcek shouldn't have been. The one to face off against Valentina Shevchenko should have been one of the many deserving flyweight fighters. And I don't deny that there are, uh, you know, even though there aren't that many flyweights in the UFC, there are people more deserving as far as having worked their way up uh, in that division and uh, earned their name in the division. But there's no one in female martial arts, mixed martial arts, more deserving of that fight than Joanna. I don't care what weight class she's at. Uh, and I think a lot of the women there uh, at 125 need to really recognize that uh, 
this weight class needed a kickstart. It needed a um, a mega fight like that against somebody that people know, uh, somebody that the UFC knew that would give Valentina the kind of fight she needed to really showcase what she can do. Uh, you know, that meaning someone who is going to put on a technical, you know, slugfest with her, someone who's going to keep her working the entire fight, uh, but someone that she could probably put over on pretty easily. Uh, and that was, you know, I want to say that was mostly because of her size. I was pretty excited to see how Joanna looked at 115 when she doesn't have to deplete herself or at uh, 125 when she doesn't have to deplete herself to get down to 115. Uh, just one of the most uh, technical strikers in all of the sport, really. One of the best pound-for-pound pound, uh, kickboxers in mixed martial arts in general. Uh, I really wanted to see what she would look like with that extra pep in her step and that extra power. I wanted to see if maybe she had knockout power at 125. Uh, she at least doesn't against Valentina Shevchenko because, um, you know, she hit her with some great shots in that fight. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko just was obviously the more powerful fighter. Um, I really can't say I'm surprised by the outcome of this fight considering uh, Valentina is 3-0 and against Joanna, uh in kickboxing. And then... You know, obviously, uh, if you didn't know before this fight, you know after watching it, Valentina has by far the more impressive ground game of the two. Uh, really powerful wrestling, good good top game. Got her down a couple times. Wasn't really able to keep her down uh, too much. So you got to hand it to Ioana being able to keep the more skilled and larger opponent off of her, get back to her feet when she could. But ultimately... Securing that uh, that decision, the unanimous decision, nonetheless. Um, I'd like to see what's next uh, in that division, though. There's definitely some good fights. Um, definitely some good fights for uh, Liz Carmouche, I think, being the only woman to have ever finished Valentina Shevchenko. I'd love to see that fight. Um, obviously, Jessica I. Uh, proved that she is deserving of that fight once again last night uh, on a pretty good win streak right now. So that'd be awesome to see. Also, uh, you have, uh, this isn't in the UFC, but hear me out. You have Limele McFarlane uh, in Bellator about to fight in Hawaii, undoubtedly going to make her even bigger household name. They're really doing good things with Limele. And in this crazy world we're in right now, in MMA where we're doing trades and, you know, everybody wants to think that there's, that they know what mixed martial arts is going to be like, but in a world where Conor McGregor fights Floyd Mayweather and, uh, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather's about to fight, uh, Tenshin Asakawa in Japan and, um, you know, Conor McGregor doesn't go to jail for assaulting an entire bus full of people. We don't know what's going to happen. So I would love to see uh, some sort of super fight against Limelay McFarlane and Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, Limelay McFarlane has an awesome ground game. I'd love to see that. But uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm stoked on that uh, 
Bellator event happening in Hawaii. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But while we're talking about Hawaiians, let's go ahead and jump right to the main event. Man, Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. What can I say about that that hasn't already been tweeted, that hasn't already been said by a million people who do what I do better? Uh, just just an awesome fight. Uh, uh, Holloway actually... Uh, the underdog in this fight. I don't understand how that is possible. Uh, I, I think uh, anybody who bet against him probably was kicking themselves afterwards. Cause I feel like, you know, I do see what people were saying uh, with that choice. Brian Ortega is probably one of the most skilled fighters Holloway's ever faced. Uh, but Holloway is, Without a doubt, arms and you know, arms length just above anybody Brian Ortega has ever faced. Uh, undoubtedly, the best striker Brian Ortega has ever faced, and you know, Brian Ortega is primarily a, a grappler. Uh, I don't even think Brian Ortega's ever faced anyone who really utilizes a jab, and it was very obvious. Uh, he did not know what to do with that. Just ate him up from the beginning to the end, uh, eventually by doctor's stoppage. If you were watching it live, it was a little confusing as to what was happening or who was calling it off. I didn't know if Ortega called it off. I didn't know if his corner called it off. I didn't know if the doctor stopped it. Um, hard to tell, but, uh, a good choice anyways. Um, I like to uh, I like to see that more and more. Uh, I really think we need um, in a sport that's been so ruled by that tough guy macho mentality that most of these fighters have that gives them what they need to be who they are. We need other people in place who are not these guys to protect them and to make sure that they live to fight another day because Ortega was not stopping that fight. Unfortunately, his corner probably was not either. Even though some corners are getting better at that, some coaches are getting better with that decision. Not only do they have that uh, tough guy mentality, but you know, coaches and corners don't want to. Uh, they don't want to take that money out of their uh, out of their fighter's pocket. Uh, they get a win bonus for uh, for winning. Obviously, that's what a win bonus is for. They get a win bonus, and the you know that adds a whole new complication there, and that's another talk for another day. I really don't like the win bonus. It's such a weird and barbaric. Like I see why we do it uh, in our sport, or why we started doing it in our sport to sort of create the atmosphere uh, about around what uh, mixed martial arts is about these days, which is about or which what it's about in general, not just these days, uh, which is, you know, guys putting on these exciting fights, giving the fans exactly what they want to see rather than simply trying to win the safest and best way possible, which honestly, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I understand the impulse to want these guys to put it all out there and to risk life and limb to, um, to win the fight in a dramatic fashion, but 
you know, after everything we've seen, uh, um, I, I don't know how Adonis Stevenson is doing right now, but uh, for those of you who don't know, Adonis Stevenson, a um, very famous Canadian boxer, probably one of the most the most famous Canadian boxers, uh, is was at least around last week uh, in an induced coma, not looking too good. Uh, I don't know what actually happened with him. Unfortunately, I did not keep up with that story. But uh, between that and the um, Chuck Liddell knockout, it's just kind of a sobering uh, thing to realize what these guys are uh, risking for our entertainment. And, um, you know, I would like to see the sport go in a direction where these guys were not necessarily – given every incentive to fight stupidly, to take huge chances and risks. And, um, you know, I like to see a guy who can fight defensively. I like to see good head movement. Uh, Max Holloway, you know, showing a little bit of both. He'll eat a shot to give a shot, but at least he's moving his head. Good footwork, cutting angles, things like that. Uh, Ortega tried to get it to the ground a handful of times, was not successful. Uh, I think he was maybe a couple times, and Max got right back up. Uh, Ortega really had nothing for for Holloway, and uh, I don't know if a lot of people expected that. I think people expected to see Holloway at least get a chance to operate on the ground, show what he's got. There was nothing like that at all. Uh, super impressive one for Max Holloway. I think people are finally starting to view him as one of the greatest of all time. I think, you know, it's a little early to be saying things like that, but I think he's well on his way to be thought of as one of the greatest of all times. Uh, definitely already in the conversation for greatest featherweight of all time. Obviously, you have to give that one to Aldo. I don't even really see any debate there. Although, was undefeated for was it eight, ten years? Something insane. I know he didn't fight a lot. or he did, Yeah, he didn't really fight a lot in those ten years. At least not as much as a lot of fighters do. Uh, a lot of that win streak was in the WEC, which is something different. But, you know, the UFC absorbed it. So now it's all the same. Uh of course, he wasn't fighting the murderer's row that a guy like Max Holloway has, but you can't really count that against him. That was Those were just the people that he was put up against. Uh, but Max Holloway, I think, is not too many wins short of uh, proving that. Unless, of course, what Dana White was saying post-fight is correct, and he actually is going up to 115. Uh, I don't think Dana White said that... that he had any sort of insider information. I think it was just saying that he would like for Max Holloway to go up to 155 uh, instead of fighting at 145. I don't know. I mean, Holloway, uh, Holloway made uh, 144.5. Uh, you know, he seemed to look pretty good doing it. Uh, the last uh, big weight cut scare that he had uh, definitely could have been a fluke. I don't know what was going on. They still don't know what happened to him, why he was showing concussion-like symptoms. 
Um, who knows what it was, but uh, let's see him cut weight one more time and see what happens. I, I think to to call, you know basically say that he has to go up to one fifty five just because of a like two instances now where he had difficulty cutting weight. I mean, people have difficulty cutting weight all the time. Uh, Holloway is a huge one forty five er, but I don't know. I don't really like. Uh, like the feel or like to think about what happens if you take Holloway out of 145, then who's who's the guy? I mean, I do like the fact that it would probably make Frankie Edgar a little more relevant. Um, you know, Brian Ortega would obviously be the, the guy to think about. Um, but I think uh, Holloway probably has a handful of 145 fights ahead of him. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, you slice it, a really awesome event. Uh, the Canadian crowd seemed like they were having a shitload of fun. Uh, it was a really good audience to hear a lot about who is the best audience in mixed martial arts. Uh, like Brazil was always one of the most insane crowds. Uh, the Ireland crowd definitely talked about will definitely be talked about as legendary. But the Canadian crowds are fan-fucking-tastic and seem to love Max Holloway. Uh, the press conference was awesome. He kept shouting, what island is it? And uh, the handful of people who actually knew the answer to the question responded. I don't really think he got the uh, question and answer uh, response that he wanted. I think he was expecting a lot of people to scream it. But handful of people screamed by, back the 10th island. Hawaii has eight islands, right? What's the? I think Las Vegas is the ninth island. I don't know. I don't get it. But uh, they all seem to get it. They all seem to have a lot of fun. Uh, Max Holloway um, walking back from the octagon with his little boy. Many blessed. Coolest kid in the business. Way cooler than I'll ever be. Uh, Little dude with his thin chain. Looking just like his daddy. Um, that was awesome. Really good to see. And I just really enjoyed the uh, vibe and the attitude of these two champions. Uh, two true martial artists. Um, two guys who do good for their communities. Uh, Ortega, you know, uh, actively working in charity, working in anti-bullying. Uh, you know, uh, raising money to... Uh, take kids who were bullied and uh, fly them to his jiu-jitsu academy and teach them the tenets of martial arts. I mean, that's just super cool shit. Um, And, you know, that's not only does he do that. I know you have your Conor McGregor's who do donate to charity. And uh, what bugs me about Conor McGregor is he secretly goes to – Okay, so this isn't really something that bugs me about him. I don't. It's not like I wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night. But he secretly goes and um, uh, spends time at like a, what was the story? He, he like was going and spending time with sick kids at a hospital in Ireland and uh, like not telling anybody about it. And that's really cool. And the fact that he doesn't want um, people to know or that he's not doing it for the publicity that that's that's neat. 
But it just bugs me that the um, image that he feels like he has to put out there is the brash asshole who makes fun of people's religions and, um, you know, is basically just a tough-talking bully himself when he gets out there. And that's that's what the people love. They eat it up. But I want to see more personalities like Holloway and Ortega uh, taking back over the sport. I'm sick and tired of the bad guy MMA. I want to see the nice guy MMA start to take uh, start to take over. I'm I'm all about the nice guys, guys. Uh, and Holloway Ortega was totally nice guy versus nice guy. It was funny. Holloway even seemed like he had to play heel a little bit. Uh, he was talking a little shit, but just you know, still in his cool nice guy way. Uh, he said a couple times. I thought it was really funny. Everybody's talking about Brian Ortega being the the next big thing, the the young prospect. Like this is the only time where the next big thing is actually younger than the current big thing. <laughs> I still think uh, Holloway is the next big thing at 145, but unfortunately, uh, or I think Ortega is the next big thing at 145, but unfortunately Holloway is not done being the current big thing anytime soon. Um. Uh, I really hope he doesn't start talking super fights and all that, all that shit, or like uh, shouting out the big names. Unless, of course, McGregor wants to go back to 145, in which case I am here for that rematch. That's really the only Conor McGregor fight that I want to see right now. I could give a fuck less about the Habib rematch. I just I don't see it turning out any differently. I don't think. Uh, McGregor's wrestling is going to get leagues and leagues better. Um, he might learn have learned some things, but I'm just not really interested in that fight, especially since the build-up to the last one was so toxic and just dep- just dark and depressing. And leading up to the big uh, the big brawl in Madison Square Garden, just I've had enough of it. But I would love to see him fight Holloway again. I think. That would really help uh, McGregor get back on track. I need to see him against a striker again. I want McGregor in a slugfest. I don't want to see him try to figure out a wrestler like Habib. Honestly, I don't think he can do it. I think he's the kind of fighter that should be out there fighting strikers and building those legendary fights for his legacy. Um, And I want to see, honestly, I want to see how good Holloway has gotten in those five years. Uh, see how much he's changed his game because I think if anybody if anybody thinks that they're going to see the same fight that they saw five years ago if he fights McGregor they're sorely mistaken so I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see that it's really the only thing I would I think I want to see out of McGregor right now I can't I guess McGregor Poirier 155 um, I don't know if Holloway would go up to fight McGregor they're talking about him going up, I, I don't really want to see him go up. I don't want to see him fight Khabib. I, I think he would. it would be very much like everybody else Khabib's fought. Uh, I want to see him sit there, you know, sit there at 145 and defend his belt over and over again. I want to see him be the uh, dominant champ I know he can be. I know it doesn't seem like there's a lot of guys for him to go up against. You got uh, Moicano who didn't even make weight for his, uh, he was, uh, his own whole job this weekend was to show up and make weight, uh, for the 
uh, to be a stand-in for the championship match, and he didn't make weight. Apparently, the UFC still paid him for it, which I think is cool. Uh, he should definitely be compensated for even trying to make weight. Uh, he made it. Um, he missed it by a pound. I think he showed up at 146, which wouldn't have cut it uh, if he actually got called up to the title fight. But I think he decided to stop cutting weight there. And if he uh, if he would have actually been in the championship fight, he might have used that extra hour and actually cut weight. I don't know, but Moicano is pretty much the only name that I really see there uh, at 145 that I think could challenge Holloway. So I'd like to see that. I, I know Frankie's pushing for a... Uh, for a fight against Holloway, and I was really pumped to see Frankie Edgar fight Max Holloway when that fight was booked uh, earlier on in the year. Uh, but Holloway had to pull out of that one. Ortega ended up stepping up. You guys all know where the story goes after that one. And I was really pumped to see Frankie Edgar in that fight until I saw what happened to Brian Ortega, and I just I know I'm a big old softy, but I'm just sick and tired of seeing my, my legends get destroyed. <laughs> I mean, not that Frankie Edgar is anywhere near uh, in the position like a BJ Penn or uh, Anderson Silva or a Shogun Hua. Not that not the Shogun Hua didn't just put on an awesome performance against a young up-and-comer himself. But you know what I'm saying. He's not one of those guys uh, who I think they need to uh, kind of tailor the matches. I, I think Frank Yeager could take on anybody at any time, but he's probably going to need some punches in that uh, in that hallway fight if he gets it. But by all means, he deserves it. I mean, the dude uh, was supposed to get the shot before, uh, before Ortega got it, so... Who am I to say? Um, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Bellator is going to Hawaii next weekend. Uh, I downloaded my DeZone app. I don't know if you guys are on DeZone. It's actually a pretty awesome product. I, I was making fun of it pretty early on, but I'm into it, especially uh, with these Bellator fights on it because I don't know about y'all guy about y'all at home. I'm about on the tail end of being a millennial, and I haven't had cable in a good seven years. I'm all internet all the way, so if it's on an app, I'm all about it. I don't know what the Paramount Network is. I don't know where I get it. I don't know how I get it. Just give me an app. I'll put it on my Apple TV, and we'll all have a good time. Uh, going to Hawaii, how... How did the UFC lose that one? How did they have uh, one of the biggest Hawaiian champs of all time next to BJ Penn right now? And they let Bellator beat them to the punch going to Hawaii. I don't understand it. I've always been, uh, been pushing for this one for a long time. Could you imagine how big a fucking UFC card with Max Holloway helming it would be? I mean, how big would this card... Where did they do this one? This was in Canada. It was... Yeah, it was... It was still a great place to have that fight, actually. But imagine if they were to do it in Hawaii. It just... Holy shit. You think the Canadian crowd was bonkers? Could you imagine the Hawaiian crowd turning in for that one? 
So, uh, yeah, Bellator uh, bringing two events uh, to Hawaii. Uh, that's that's going to be a fun one. Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple other things that happened in uh, UFC 231. Uh, Brad Katona looking great. Uh, nice submission victory. I don't know uh, what that choke is called exactly. It was like a rear naked choke, but from the side. Uh, I think I heard it called a Von Flew choke, but I don't think that's correct. I don't think it was exactly a Von Flew choke. Uh, regardless, great submission victory for him. Uh, I did want to talk about Alexander uh, Rakic versus Devin Clark, though. Uh, not only because it was a good fight and it was a really good kickoff for uh, Alexander Rakic, uh, just looking awesome, looking great, eventually uh, ending the fight with a back fist knockout. I've heard it quoted in a couple articles as a spinning back fist. Not a spinning back fist, just a back fist, just like an old-school karate swap. Uh Pretty awesome, but what I want to talk about is what happened before that. Um, people are pretty tough on the referees in mixed martial arts, and refereeing is a very difficult job, uh, but it's an important job. You're the only person out there looking after these dudes' safety in a uh, sport that's a whole goal is to put them in the most unsafe situation I can think of, which is another man trying to bodily harm you. Uh, and you have one guy there that's supposed to keep you safe, supposed to enforce the rules that are also there to keep you as safe as you could be, I guess, when you're in a murder cage. Um, the, the referee, uh, Presiding over this fight, though, just really dropping the ball. Uh, I will throw him under the bus. Brian Bucamp, uh, never seen him refing a uh, UFC event before. I don't know if he was a Canadian guy or who this guy was, uh, but his fall started um, when... Clark uh, started throwing knees up against the cage against Rakic. Uh, Rakic had one hand down, and I think everybody at home was a little bit like, "What? What is happening?" He needed him to the face like twice when he had his uh, his one hand down. I was like, "Okay, maybe is it the old rules then, where it's the I, I think the old rules were you had to have two hands on the ground, and then he put another hand on the ground." And then the knees kept coming. And the ref wasn't saying anything. Uh, super confusing. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he didn't see it or if he didn't know the rules. Uh, I think it's very likely that he was not aware of the rules. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that uh, the rules in mixed martial arts... Uh, are not the same in every uh, in every city or country. Um, they rotate back and forth between the old rules and the unified rules. Uh, don't know really what's happening there. I think 
what I can tell you is that ref was probably one of the only people watching that fight who did not realize that that was illegal because the announcers were screaming. I at home was screaming. It was not good, but it was uh, it would have been a lot worse if Rick would have lost that fight. Uh, then we would have had to actually have a conversation about it and uh, hold that ref accountable, which we all knew no wouldn't happen. Uh, the refs never get held accountable. Uh, it is what it is in mixed martial arts. That's just the it's just the way it's just the way it is. Um, I know it's a difficult job to be a referee, but that was unacceptable. And then finally, uh, Rakic lands that uh, that back fist as uh, Clark is coming forward, and um, then pounces on him after he's dropped and continues to beat the shit out of him for I don't know. Um, a minute and a half before the ref stops it. Like, I don't understand how the ref did the ref think he was like making it up to Reykjavik by not stopping those knees that he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. You got hurt really bad. I'll go ahead and let you hurt this guy really bad for a while. Like you got to the point where Reykjavik was looking at the ref. Like, are you serious? Uh, he kept, he obviously didn't want to keep punching him, but he didn't want to lose the fight either. Or he didn't want to not win the fight when he could. Uh, just, just crazy scene unfolding there. Uh, and that kind of leads me into the end of my show. Uh, I know, you know, at the end of, uh, all of my shows, I introduced the fight me point of the week. Uh, and lately I've been doing it with my lovely girlfriend, Miss Mallory Denae, uh, where I talk to her about, uh, I always like to get a uh, not not necessarily a dissenting opinion because sometimes she agrees with me, but just uh, another eyes on it, another set of eyes on it. Uh, she loves watching the fights with me, and I love her very much. So listen to our love, and it's going to be gross and funny. And uh, we're going to discuss my fight me point of the week, which is where I uh, unleash one of my hard opinions on you, one of my hard throbbing opinions. All over you. Uh, and I allow you guys to get on the internet and fight me about it. So if you disagree with what I'm saying, or you agree with me and you want to be like, yeah, bro, good point. Uh, get on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at MMA Fight Me on all of those platforms. Uh, and fight me about it, guys. But... Either way, slice it. Uh, please stay tuned for my Fight Me Point of the Week. Okay, it's time for my Fight Me Point of the Week. And as promised, I have my girlfriend Mallory Denae here. You promised them I'd be here? Yeah, I promised them. Does anyone want me here? Yeah, that's what I had to promise. Otherwise, they weren't going to listen. They told me. Um, they want you here. It's like the funniest part of every podcast. Thank you. Car. But you really just are stalling this finding friends thing. <laughs> yeah. I have them. I just don't ever think about calling them. And, you know, they're busy. And I'm busy. And, <laughs> uh, I'm not calling this IDGF, GAF anymore. Because Mallory wanted me to let everybody know that she does give a fuck. I do. I watch it with you. She does. You enjoyed this last card, yeah? I did. Yeah, Valentina Shevchenko and Joanna Jack put on a great match. Mm-hmm. That was good stuff. Oh, you know what? I didn't even talk on my podcast about 
the whole Greg Hardy thing. We should probably oh. talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Is it going to get weird? Well, I've been wanting to talk about it for a while now. For those of you who don't know, Greg Hardy was uh, a disgraced NFL player who would not get hired by any uh, – was fired from his team and would not get hired by any NFL team um, after he – the cops responded to a domestic dispute call. Uh, he um, – his girlfriend at the time uh, was beaten badly. Uh, she later dropped charges and uh, – Nothing happened to Greg Hardy after that, but the um, optics on it and just everybody knowing about it led to him being forced out of his sport. And like a cockroach being forced out of one area, he popped up in our sport. Uh, And um, I've been having a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach about it since he uh, appeared on Dana White's Contender Series and they gave him a development deal, which I think they just gave him so that they didn't have to say they, they were actually giving him a contract. Uh, but now he's making his first appearance uh, in, I don't know, like a month from now. Um, so already I, I don't feel great about that. It just, I, I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about, like, do you think, do you think that someone who has done something like that should not, should just not be hired by an organization like, like the UFC, do you think they just shouldn't have given him the contract? Uh, I don't think that's something that you could just flat say because right. it's a matter of like how long has it been? What have they done to right? And that's my that's my problem with this is that he has not only has he not apologized. For what he's done, he hasn't made any statement one way or another about it, which is just makes me feel like he's just like, okay, well, maybe people will just forget about it. Right. Well, that's the issue is like accountability. So I think when we talked about it before, it's a matter of you can't just leave one sport where it was a big spectacle and it was known what you did and then you just move to a different one and then not mention it. Like, I don't feel like that's very respectful to the people who do know about it. It doesn't set you up in a good way of people understanding, you know, you know, how hard that you actually take that. And it, I think what we talked about is that it mud muddies the sport when you, when you take on people with a reputation like that without it being properly acknowledged right and well i thought you weren't going to bring this up yet because wasn't it that uh he was going to be on the same card as he he is he's on the same card as uh rachel rachel ostrovich who some of you know uh they were talking about pulling her out of her upcoming fight against Paige van zandt um one fifth uh, straw weight bout uh, coming up soon. You know, Paige Van Zandt really hasn't had a very good um, run as of late. She's coming off a couple of losses. Uh, they're putting her up against Rachel Ostrovich, and Rachel Ostrovich 
uh, will actually be fighting uh, this fight, but they were talking about pulling her out because she was uh, recently in a uh, was recently beat by her. I don't know if it was her boyfriend or her husband. I don't actually know what their relationship was, but uh, she suffered a broken orbital. I saw the um, the pictures posted on her Instagram. She looks looks like she was pretty banged up. Uh, and I know there's, there, I feel like there's a different, I mean, I mean, you're just better off not reading any comments on things like that with Instagram, but there's a whole different optics, like on someone who is a fighter being beat like that. Like, I don't feel like people, I feel like people think about it differently, which is, there's no difference just because that's what she does for a living. It, it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that it's not okay to hit women. No, um, that's bullshit. Just yeah. because she's like willing to get hit in her sport, that's not the same fucking no, thing. No, it's not the same thing. It's like people saying that it's like saying that sex and rape are the same thing. All right. It's not the same thing. All right. Um, but yeah, so you could say all you want, as we have said all we want about the UFC handling this poorly to begin with, as far as not addressing it and not, you know, uh, Greg Hardy giving no statement. To put him on the same card as her is just... Well, I think that's the thing, though, is that you can't... What? It doesn't make it right to go on the rest of the time to deliberately put them not on the same card. Right. That's the, That doesn't help anything. So, in fact, it's better that they're being put on the same card. Like maybe so it'll that, start a conversation. Yeah, so that some people put that together. But I think that it's this... What's so great about this sport is how it's unique with how women are a part of it. And I think you can't ignore that. Obviously, you know, it doesn't matter because you could be like in a male dominated sport and it still matters how you treat women. But it it really brings it into light of women being their complete peers in this realm and it does matter. It matters that if you do that to women, you're doing that's that you also know peers and people on your same level who are affected by that. So it should be it should be brought to light if if he was put on onto the UFC and despite of him not um, acknowledging what he's done, then. It shouldn't. The worst part is, is that it should not be her position to explain what she's been through to try to bring this guy down to earth about it. That's what's the bullshit. It shouldn't be an. It shouldn't be like this opportunity for her to speak out about it. She probably just. I, I don't know enough about her story, but of course it's. You know, however she wants to share it is however she wants to share it. But, you know, she just wants to go back and do and do her sport and do what she does well. She doesn't want to have to be a spokesperson because this guy is on the same card as her. Yeah. I don't know exactly what was said, but Dana White, the president of the UFC, said that he talked to her about it and she said she was cool with it. I don't think she exactly said she was cool well, with it. Well, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Yeah, right, exactly. That's just like any job. It's like any job you are at, 
I have worked many jobs as a woman where there's a fucking dick and you have to be like, yeah, I guess I'm okay with him being here because if I say anything, and this is a publicized thing. So, yeah, you know, people are also fucking afraid of men who are violent. So it's usually best to just not say something, let alone put your reputation on a male-dominated sport. No, but I like what you said at the beginning. Like, it doesn't really, like, them being on the same card is not the, is not the real problem here. Yeah, it's not her fault that he's existing in this realm. Like, oh, it's definitely not her fault. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's the issue isn't that they're put on the same card together. The issue is the mere fact that. Someone with this history who is not, like, who has a reputation coming into it. Mostly because of the fact that he got kicked off of another team because of it. That's the issue is why does that not transfer? Why does that not code of honor transfer to the UFC? And I know you talk a lot about, you know, it just, there's not, it doesn't come without consequence to support men who don't fully take accountability for their actions. Yeah. I don't like the thought that the UFC could be a, or that mixed martial arts can be a place for people who do things that make it so that no one else will have them. Like it's a place for these people to hide to still make money as athletes. Um, that just doesn't feel good. Well, especially because it is it is a violent sport. Right. That's that's the kicker about it. Right. Well, you know, you feel you already hear people say that about I mean, at this point it's kind of a hack uh, comedian thing people have said about football. Like I think I heard somebody say the joke like whenever a football player gets arrested for assault. They should call it doing football, not at football times. <laughs> what? I think I know what you mean, but... When a football player gets arrested for assault, they should actually call it... Oh, Say, oh, he did football when you wasn't supposed to do football. Basically, like, he was savage and barbaric, like, at the wrong time. But that's what they pay him to do in football. But, um, I mean, so they say that about football already. So, I mean, obviously they're going to say it about mixed martial arts. But, I mean, I don't have to tell you. That's not the same. It's a sport. Yeah, it's not, it's not the same. But I mean, that's uh, – there's obviously not a lot of time to get into that. But, like – Violent, violent men, like, the reason why MMA and mixed martial arts, like, works is because there is, there is an honor, like, there is an honor to it because it's a sport, because it's professional, there's an honor to the history of martial arts, there's not an honor to violence that comes without accountability, such as domestic violence. That's why they're different, and, like, Sure, he can learn the sport, and like I said, I'm not even saying that he like can't be on any sport ever again, or there's like 
no redemption, but it is a fine line that you walk of the reputation you bring for your own name and the sport that you're representing. And because it is a sport with women who have been victims of what he's done, like it's not on them to be like, it's not, it's just not, it's not cool for them to be put in a position of saying like, are you cool with this or not? It's like, fuck you. Don't, don't even ask me that. It's not about if I'm cool with it or not. You know, if you are asking me, if it's like, if you, if I was her, if you're asking me if I'm cool with it, you obviously know there's a fucking issue. So what you deal with that, you deal with your own reputation for the sport or how your compete, your fighter is handling himself. Yeah. I think we kind of covered at the beginning my the main issue is the lack of like uh weight and gravity that they've given it or like you know i just feel like they're dismissing everybody everybody's um reservations about it and that because they didn't make any sort of real statement or greg hardy hasn't made any sort of real statement about this um that's i mean that's the real the real issue. They just haven't handled it with any maturity or gravity. Especially when they have a fighter who has publicly just dealt with these exact, these exact issues. Well, the bullshit is that it, it makes it that much worse that she was so severely injured by it, but it, it affects, it affects many men and women who are his fellow fighters, men and women, men have, I don't know everybody's story, obviously, but plenty of men have like had to grow up in, in like domestic violence shelters or see their moms or family members go through that. Other women have like gone through it or have been in fear of it. Like it's a prevalent thing. So that's, that's what's irritating. Don't focus on, the like it's more insensitive because of the severity of of the other fighter just coming out of that but it's the thing is is that it's a it's always a significant issue because everyone is is affected by it directly or just as women you know live in live in fear of that happening if it's not Right. Yeah, it just, I didn't think it comes down to that. It just wasn't, wasn't treated with any respect or understanding. And I mean, that's no surprise given the people who are in charge of the UFC right now and the way that it has looked, you know, handled these sort of things in the past. So, right. Well, yeah, my, mostly my point is stop, stop focusing on, on the woman who, who just got through that because like it took her enough to just heal her fucking body and get back to it. Like do not direct your attention on her. It's about this guy and his actions and what wasn't dealt with to begin with. Like she should only get like praise and congratulations for what she's done to be back to fight. It's, it just really bugs me to have, they go, oh no, is she gonna be okay that he's coming? <laughs> That's why she's like, yeah, I'm right. cool. Like, fuck you, I've been through a lot to be here, you know, like. Right. Yeah, I mean, not only 
has she said that she wants to, you know, show that she's not a victim and that something like this doesn't define or stop her. But also, you know, at this point in her career, she needs this fight. Like these people only make money when they, when they fight. So. Right. Is she going to say she has a problem and like make a stance? Like, yeah, it's, she worked hard to be back. She should be back and make the money for it. So it's a, it's a difficult issue because it's like, it doesn't matter that they're on the same card at all. The, the problem is that it wasn't dealt with from the get go of him being signed on and it not being dealt with. And honestly, like, you know, we just hear enough people who like, obviously we have a president who did something fucked up. You just have like a half ass sorry, or I didn't mean it or whatever. Like, you know, I'm not dumb. Sometimes that's enough to just like get people by, but to not have anything does does mean that you're not taking accountability for the actions. It's like the same being handled with the same attitude as our president and like the same kind of success that our president's had deflecting these sort of things where he doesn't treat it as a big deal and everybody's like, well, I guess it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Which is just just gross. Well, thank you for talking with me about this. wasn't what I actually planned on talking about. <laughs> and it wasn't funny. No, I like when we start, start, I, we started it out saying that this is the funniest part of every podcast. No. Well, see, this is where the people might not like what I have to say, but... Yeah, we'll fuck them. <laughs> uh, not you. I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> um, well, thanks for talking to me, babe. And uh, that's something I've been wanting to talk about for a while on this podcast. And we'll talk, probably talk about it more after the actual event. Um, so if you have something to say about that, uh, um, get on. Uh, I'm not going to give you uh, Mallory's any Mallory's social media, <laughs> but uh, hit me up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at MMA. Fight me on all of those. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. And remember, if you don't like it, you can fight me about it.